Hello, hello, everyone. My name is John Edwards. With me, as always, is Zeke Baker. And together, we make the Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Wherever you are, whatever time it is, thank you for making us a part of your day. Zeke, say hello to the folks out there. Hello, hello. And if it's part of your night, well, thank you for making us part of your night as well. I mean, day includes night to me. So night includes day? Yeah. So when do you sleep? I want to rock and roll all night and part of every day. I think you're missing some words there. But either way, my favorite one was keep on rocking in the free world. So that's, you know, all encompassing 24, 365. Well, hold me closer, Tony Danza. It's time to do a bourbon podcast. (laughs) (laughs) You and Tony, huh? Okay. You've never heard of uh, the misheard lyrics? Oh, I know. Trust me. I mean, you grew up in rural Podunk, Northwest Georgia. I mean, most people say the the misheard lyrics more than the correct ones. So it's it's not a uh, anomaly to spend some years of your life, and then you finally one day realize, oh, that's what they were saying. <laughs> that, that song makes sense after all. If we had prepared for that part of it, I mean, this is all off the cuff. If we had prepared for that more, I would have got some of my favorite misheard lyrics because there are some really, really good ones. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. We don't even have time for that. We have a jam-packed show today with so much stuff. We have four whiskeys that we are trying that were sent to us. Uh, One is going to be Doc 52. It's a private store barreling out of Memphis, Tennessee. We have Uncle Nearest 1856 premium whiskey that was sent to us. And then we have two from our friends at New Holland Spirits, and it is a beer barrel rye and a beer barrel bourbon. Say that five times fast. Beer barrel rye and beer barrel bourbon? Yeah, that that was one time. Beer, uh, John, we're going to lose people too early in the show. <laughs> you just can't do it. But before we even get to that, there, there's something I want to talk about. We are not even going to shoot the breeze about other stuff because... Buffalo Trace is releasing a new Weller that is designed by fans. It is called CYPB Craft Your Perfect Bourbon. I'm a little bit bitter about this one. So Buffalo Trace had this thing on their website where you could go on and essentially make your perfect bourbon, age it however many years you think you you should age it. You can make your mash bill. You can decide where it goes in the rickhouse. All that being said, I just thought it was something that you were messing around with on their website. You could kind of mess around and say, okay, I'm going to do this mash bill on this one and this mash bill on this one. They were taking all that data And they went and made the quote-unquote perfect bourbon. Well, I mean, data is a hot commodity these days. We could go on a diatribe about Cambridge Analytica and Facebook and all that fun stuff. But I just thought it was something that was like, hey, design your perfect bourbon. Like, I didn't think that they were going to actually do it. Well, I mean, saying and doing is two totally different things, obviously. But but let me just explain this bourbon to you, and you tell me if you think it's your perfect bourbon. So the people shall sayeth, the bourbon is going to be a weeded bourbon. It's going to be aged eight years on the top floors of the Ricks and bottled at 95 proof. They're going to do one batch of this every year in the summer, so it'll be a, an allocated Weller release. 
It's going to go for $39.99. But eight years, 95 proof on the top floor of the Rick. Is that your perfect bourbon? Uh, I don't know. I find that interesting to believe, especially if it's creating your perfect. I mean, obviously, um, plenty of people resonate to uh, Buffalo Trace's wheated mash bill and the, the wetter line of products. But at the same time, I remember seeing this up and plenty of people ended up on a Stag Jr. They got real uh, tinkering with it. G- George T. Stag, plenty of E.H. Taylors. I would like to see what the overwhelming response was that people unknowingly and inadvertently ended up on the weeded mash bill because I did not. And if you think about the Weller line, though, and people start talking about Weller 12 versus OWA versus WSR, and, and I almost think the antique, at least from the people that you and I talk to, the antique is the favorite of the people that are are drinking Weller. Your Weller 12, I think, is, is bait for secondary, and a lot of people trade it. And Weller 12 isn't my favorite. OWA is my favorite. Weller 12 might be my third favorite out of those. You know, WSR is a really good side pour, really good daily drinker. I could drink that and, and not think twice with WSR because you can't find Weller 12 in stores around here. It's almost impossible to find Weller 12 oh, in yeah. stores. So when I look at Weller 12, I have to look at secondary and I almost dismiss it because I know I'm not going to get it and I know I'm not going to pay the price. I have a bottle of it, but I'm not going to pay secondary prices to get more. I'm just thinking this craft, your perfect bourbon. It's, it's a white label. It's the new Weller label, a white and gold label. I think this is begging for people on secondary to pay $200, $300 for this. Oh, yeah. And while looking at uh, the CYP and acronym, I've been tinkering ideas in my head. So far, the best one I've got is create your parentheses secondary profits bourbon. <laughs> Maybe more as the show rolls on. Honestly, I'm doing this off the cuff, but uh, I've got some good ideas spinning. It, it's totally just... They know what they're doing. They know what they're creating. Any of the, the even just the wetter lines hard enough to find, and then something like this is a random extra allocated release. <sighs> Meh. Yeah, I'd. Uh, I don't know something that, that PYT. I'd probably go for more. And it, <laughs> I won't sing. I'm not going to sing tonight. But, yeah, uh, don't, don't sing me that one, John. I don't need that. That's one of my favorite MJ songs. I don't doubt it. Yeah. But it almost makes me like Four Roses better because you're going to get the variants in the 10 different recipes. You know that a lot of those are going to come out in store picks. You know that people are more apt to trade those, even though those store picks are might not yield You know what a big allocated release like this will yield. I'm just thinking about what is the, the secondary impact on this. And we're not going to find a bottle. I know that because we just don't spend like some of the other people spend it at a liquor store, as much as we are friends with people, they, they have to take care of their, their highest paying customers first. And that's certainly not us. I mean, even better, what what blend of the you know previous three products in the line are going to make the PM CYPB? That's a lot of acronyms. I'm telling you, man, they're just acronym and out right now. It's... Uh... <laughs> I'd be interested to taste it. So, Buffalo Trace, if you're listening, we'd love to review it. We'd love to put it up in blind. So, 
you know, if you want to send us four ounces, we'll, you know, two for me, two for Zeke. We'll put it in blinds. We'll give it a, a straight up review. We'd love to see how it stands up because if we have it and it's really good, then there we go. We have no, you know, we're, we're done. We're, we're going to fall in line. But at the same time, you know, to me, it's a strong exaggeration to say create your perfect bourbon. If this was done two or three years ago, the juice coming out is eight. It had already been distilled, already been aging for a considerate amount of time. I guess if they knew the warehouses well enough, then, you know, they would, would know what lies where. Uh, similar, you know, Brown Foreman seems to, you know, be able to almost pinpoint a lot of their product. But it is kind of laughable to say that they created this based on their response, yet it was created years before this survey was ever initiated. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, it aged three more years since that came out. So it had to have been aging for five years before we even got there. Was it stuff that was aging five years at the top of the rick? Those are all kind of things that, that you want to think about. You know, Was it on the top floor of the warehouse? Where did they actually find it? What was the mash they used? There's a whole bunch of variables here well, that I'm interested in. Well, it's a continuous in. release. It- it's something they've been tracking on their own internally for a while. And if they're going to say it's coming out every year, they feel extremely confident in the ability to reproduce very similar runs each release. And looking here, I think there were only, there was 100,239 responses to that. I could do some crazy Excel pivot tables. I'd love to see the raw data. But see, at the same time, you know, this was 2015 before people were burned out on bourbon and started going to rum. I mean, people want more of a sugary, sweet profile now. I don't know how much this is going to really hit the palate where I think it is. Well, and I mean, if you think of you and I, we'd be looking at something over 100 proof if we're looking at what is our ideal bourbon. I mean, I also think it depends on are you doing a daily drinker? Are you doing a side pour? You know, and, you know, if it's an annual release. How are they going to keep up with the times? I mean, one mash bill can only have so much versatility, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Not the smartest man, but I would think so. Well, again, going back to Four Roses, that's why they have two mash bills and a bunch of different yeasts. Honestly, I didn't know what the, the CYPB, because I saw some stuff today on the uh, the boards about it. From my glancing, I basically saw a big white kind of a empty space label. And I thought it was almost like a, you're supposed to draw on it with, you know, <laughs> pen, Sharpie or something. Basically like a make your own individual custom label when you get it home kind of thing. Like those things you get at Starbucks where you could like put chalk pen on the side of a, a cup. I won't shop at Starbucks. Why? It's overpriced. Coffee's coffee. Folger's black. Does me well. <laughs> no, no Maxwell House being in Nashville. I mean, luckily, I, I've been living off Rick Brew for a while, uh, a home blend from a good friend out in East Tennessee. It uh, it serves me very well, and I'm fortunate to have it. But no, uh, I'm, I'm not picky on coffee and don't see the difference in it. You know, we're talking about store picks. We're talking about allocated releases. I think we should get into these four different things that were sent to us that we are tasting. Yeah, it's time for a pour or two. It is time for a pour or two. We went 15 minutes without having a pour, so we need to get back to this. There's no we in that statement, John. I got the side one. I actually have a side pour tonight, too. What's your side pour? Good stuff. Easy drinker. Mellow. Mellow. I, I am still all about that Four Roses yellow label. 
since we had that uh, podcast with Al Young. But I have been drinking the heck out of Four Roses Yellow Label since that day. Yeah, that's fine with the, the, the side note of a mellow. That's a, that's a subtle hint. Yeah. This is the first private label bourbon to hit the shelves in Memphis, Tennessee, and it is coming from Docks, Wine, Spirits, and more. As they continue to grow, they are looking to expand their bourbon selection. In the midst of this, they added nearly 100 new bourbons in the coming weeks. Docks is also soon to become the first store in town with their own private label bourbon, according to this wonderful press release I have in my hand. With the help of the local company Big River Distilling, Docks Wine Spirits and more was able to select their own barrel of nine-year-old uncut, unfiltered bourbon to be the first offering from the Dock.52 brand. To make it truly unique, each one is hand-bottled, hand-labeled, and individually numbered out of just 162 bottles. This was actually picked from their general manager, Ryan Gill, their assistant manager, Angie Adams, and their whiskey expert, Mike Jones. Who? Mike Jones. Who? Mike Jones. Oh, wow. I miss him. 281-330-8004. If you remember that. College was a good time. <laughs> um, they Ryan and Mike have nearly 10 years of experience in making their store picks. The first offering is going to be $49.99 with future barrel strength selections coming in at $59.99. There's about 100 bottles left. It's going to be released on March 31st. So by the time this one comes out, it is probably gone. It's also important to note that this is 110 proof, 55% ABV. It is nine-year-old. It is not stated where it came from, but it was somewhere in Middle Tennessee. We're going to talk about this when we, we get into the tasting, but I have a feeling that it's a place that might rhyme with nickel. Interesting. I'm just big guess on there. Uh, I like that it's non-chill filtered, but let's get the elephant out of the room here. You know, you've seen Old Baldy come out recently, and we know what happened, the fever that came out with Old Baldy. Is this now the new trend? Is this the trend to have stores go and, and rebrand and bottle a barrel pick? Essentially, that's what this is, right? 162 bottles? It is. And I guess my first thought would be how many of these distilleries would be comfortable with that. I mean, there's plenty of folks that won't sell to anyone that's, that's looking to source. I can't imagine at least certain distilleries would say, yeah, come pick a private barrel of our juice, dump it in your own bottle, put your own label on it, and we get no credit. I don't, I don't see that as being very feasible. I mean, I just don't see it as, as working out. Inversely, you know, if a store wanted to source things out and have their own small batch of various things, some type of blend, I could see that being very novel and, and interesting and, and more feasible. But I just can't imagine that every major distillery is going to lay down and let you take a pick of their product and then not give them credit for it directly. Now, the difference, right, is if you look at something like Old Baldy, they actually blended together multiple picks. This is essentially a barrel pick that they are rebranding. So there is a difference in that, but the sentiment would still be the same, essentially that you are taking a distillery's juice, putting your own label on it, putting your own marketing behind it, 
and then calling it your bourbon. You are an NDP. You are a store that's putting that out. That is a little bit... You think the guys behind Baldy actually tried out different years and they did stuff like that. This is more of just a barrel pick that is rebranded as Doc 52. Yep. Saying a lot there, Zeke. <laughs> I mean, it is. It, private picks are great. Um, also, some of the best pours you're going to find. And, and as you find stores that have continually good private picks, that that's going to become your go-to more and more often. Plenty of folks use extra stickers, other insignia, etc., to you know really note that this is our pick. I don't know if it's necessarily need to have a private label. Well, this is our our private label for picks. I think it just depends on what they're going to do, right? Are they testing this out to see how it is, and then they might grow it, and make it a bigger release, more than 162 bottles next time? If that's the case, then so be it. If it's one of those things where it's really just going to be a barrel once a year, then what's wrong with the sticker? That That's my question. No, no, that'd be, that was very similar notes I had was if it's going to be a single barrel program, then inevitably use an extra sticker, an extra neck tag, whatever you want to use to you know promote your, your pick. But at the same time, it's not necessarily a line. And as you source or you know, pick from different distilleries, there's not going to be any common thread. And I guess to me, my, my thought would be I, I'd much more see this, like to see this expand into a small batch kind of realm. Uh, do some of your own personal blending. That's showing off the skills. I mean, if you, two things you can do, you know, distill the juice, or if you're not distilling, blend somebody else's. I mean, that, that, that's where you're showing off what you can do your, yourself. If it happens to be this distillery that you and I think it is, and you were to go get their barrel select, I mean, you could get whiskey anywhere from 11 to 14 years in that pick. So or is it just the fact that the pick of this distillery that we think it is has a hang tag and that is the way that they're really showing off that you know there's a hang tag for the the store that's picking it instead of an actual sticker or branding or something like that and they want to do something a little bit different? I don't know. Mm, I mean everybody has their own marketing for picks but again I, I don't necessarily see why an extra label would be warranted. My other thought, as far as uh, what, what hits the most important thing being the, the back pocket or the wallet, wherever you keep it, you know, $49.99 moving into $59.99. We were told this past week that Dickel is dropping all of their... Wait, what What place? Dickel. Oh. Oh, sorry. I didn't say the name. Oh, well, I'm, uh, I've been on with the cat of the bag. <laughs> At any rate, spoiler alert, um, they will be dropping their private picks down to 35, uh, I think almost effective immediately for any picks going forward. So you're looking at pretty decent chunk of change above and beyond what anyone else's picks are going to be. And you may say you have the best palates in the room tasting, but at the same time, the variable factor that they, no one can control is what barrels are rolled out. If you got the best palates, that's fine. But if they're tasting 8, 10, 12 duds, you're going to walk over the dud. You could pick the best dud out of that, but that's still a dud. Yeah. At the end of the day, the whiskey is going to rule all. It's either going to make us believers or it's going to make us non-believers. Let's get into this now. In full disclosure, peeling the curtain back, 
we did taste all of these before because we wanted to do a continuous show for you. We didn't blind these. It's important to note that the reason we didn't blind them is, you know, the beer barrel rye, the beer barrel bourbon, those are going to be really easy to pick out with their taste profile, with that stout, they're, they're aged in uh, Dragon's Milk, which is New Holland stout in those barrels. So we're really going to know those. Same thing with Uncle Nearest. There is a profile that we know that is on that one. I don't think we would serve you all from doing blinds on this one. And we really like doing blinds when it's actually going to make you rethink something or provide some context that would make it interesting. We'd know. Yeah, the profiles are just two across the board here and nothing would be, be gained from any type of blinding of these, I don't believe. So we are going to kind of rapid fire through these. There's a lot that we have to get through. We have been pontificating on the state of whiskey, and it's time that we start drinking it and talking about it. So let's get into Doc 52 first. I, like I said, it's 110 proof, 55% ABV. It's nine years old. Someplace in Middle Tennessee, we're not 100% sure where it was. They're under an NDA. There is a certain taste profile that I think Zeke and I are going to talk about on this that gives it away. They did this in conjunction with Big River Distilling. And then the other fun fact about this one is that it's non-chill filtered. So Zeke, go ahead. Give me your nose taste finish on this Doc 52. Well, I will go ahead and throw out there that the distinctive profile you referenced, I honestly did not pick up on this just simply because the profile I normally just do not resonate to. Uh, something about the corn and my palate, we just do not get along. That being said, my notes for this one, I found the nose to be um, astringent, maybe a faint vanilla behind it, kind of sort of moved to like a um, big red or a red hot, somewhere in that, you know, cinnamon space, I would suppose. Palette wise, it seemed very thin, but also warm. Uh, the, the big red theme really kicked in pretty heavy for me here. Definitely just a heavy cinnamon to it, just like chewing into a piece of gum that, or big red. You know, once you get past that initial burst of cinnamon, you know, flavoring that's in there, there's some, you know, sugar or stevia or whatever artificial thing they used to, to, to mimic it. But that's really where the profile was, surprisingly. And finish it. It honestly, was, I put down missing in action. I didn't find hardly anything. Whatever spice and kick there from the front does not seem to be from a rye grain. At least if it is, it doesn't really exist going down. Staying on theme, just as you put it in a piece of big red to chew on. You get the smell, you get the hits, you get the other sweet, and then if you keep chewing long enough, you don't taste nothing. For me on this one, the nose, I got vanilla, soft spices, cinnamon. So that was definitely there. I think I would agree with your big red assessment. I got a little bit more than that, but was very, you know, very sweet and spicy on the nose. The taste, I said spice and heat on the very front gives to banana caramel, slight oak. The spice was almost like eating a fireball candy for me. I, I tried to go a little bit away from your big red analogy, but it was almost like a fireball candy. The finish was smooth vanilla and caramel with slight spice and cinnamon, but gives way quickly. What about a shot of fireball? Are we igniting the night here? We are not igniting the night. It's almost like, for me, I got the dickle taste. I got that. I said it dickle through and through, but doesn't drink like 110 proof. It drinks more like a high rye. 
thin high rye that's under 100 proof. That's that's kind of what I got. It's an interesting uh, assessment as far as a variable to throw into place. I like to make you think. I know. That's why I was, you looked at me and I was like, I can't think of anything to say. I'm too perplexed right now. I'm lost. I, I mean, perplexed like you think I'm way off base or perplexed like I'm making you... Uh, no, I was trying to put all three factors in my head and then think of a product that I could re- relate that to, but I couldn't come up with anything. But no, I, honestly... A hundred and ten percent surprised at did not find the corn profile to be on this. If you can't hear it in my voice, John will tell you pessimistically looking at this, that's what I fully expected to have the entire tasting and did not. So that that is honestly very surprising to me. Buy bar or pass this. At forty nine ninety nine, I'd probably still pass it. Uh heavy sin. Would you pass or bar it? Um I don't know, I always gauge bar on what somebody tells me. If what somebody tells me, I'm going to ask them what they tasted. And I feel like once I hear heavy sin, that's just not really a profile that I go for. No prejudice at all, and, and it would have nothing to do with someone telling me it was a dickel sourced product. I like it because of the cinnamon and because of the change in profile and because there's not a lot of corn there. There's a lot of things that I like about this one. With the cost of Dickel changing, they're obviously taking this because they, they had a lot of work that went into it. You know it's going off of the old Dickel prices. You know it's not the new $35 Dickel price, but at the same time, I can't stop thinking about like I could go get a Dickel that's older. Not saying age means anything. But I could say, PYT. But I could go get something that is older and a store pick for $15 cheaper, soon to be $25 cheaper. I like this enough and I would want to support a local that I would get this at a bar. I probably wouldn't get a bottle of it. I, now, yeah, I wouldn't get a bottle of this. So you'd pay $10 for a two ounce pour, aka a 12th. Of the bottle, as opposed to just dropping 50 for the full thing. Space is a premium in my cabinets. I mean, I get it, but still, I I don't know. I don't know. Fair shout. You are making me think. Two ounces, 12th of the bottle, 10 bucks. You could spend five times that much, aka 10 ounces, but walk away with 25. (laughs) Okay, I'll buy a bottle. Clearly, we have issues with um, with bar prices, but luckily, with the very young children, we don't end up there very much and uh, just stick to what we have inside the house. Let's move on. Let's talk about Uncle Nearest. They sent us some stuff. This is 84% corn, 8% rye, 8% malted barley. It goes for $60. It is 50% ABV, 100 proof. It is non-age stated. A little bit of a backstory on this. Uncle Nearest, or Nathan Green, was the head distiller at Dan Call Farm. He was a slave and then a freed slave, and he still went back to work at Dan Call's farm. Dan Call was a reverend. He was a Lutheran preacher. A lot of people believe that Uncle Nearest Green perfected and actually rolled out the Lincoln County process. That is the charcoal mellowing through the filtering that happens with Tennessee whiskey. He also taught Jack Daniel how to make whiskey. That mm-hmm. is the story. I'm sticking to it, but that's what they're saying. Uncle Nearest, this release is not only significant from a historical perspective, it is a new label that's coming out in Nashville, Tennessee, or in the Middle Tennessee area. 
So it is a big deal because Nashville is slowly but surely becoming a mecca for whiskey. Maybe for whiskey drinkers, but I'm still not seeing it on the shelves or have anybody offer it to me really in the store. What do you mean? Like Tennessee whiskey? Bellmead, Corsair, you don't get any of those? Uh, I guess I'm leaning towards more things that are just tough to see or find. Like what? Anything allocated. Uh, We don't have to point a finger. I mean, I'd say the most allocated stuff that comes out of Nashville is going to be out of Bell Mead. Mm. So, what do you think about this? Give me your nose, taste, finish. Let's talk about this a little bit. Um, looking at everything, it, it not necessarily in an overly good or bad way, but I, I did have funny notes here. The nose, I really thought it smelled like root beer. I, I don't know. Palette, it reminded me of an expired or out-of-date Butterfinger. I, I don't know where it went wrong, but it was not a Butterfinger. Where it was missing, I don't know. I, I just blamed it on it being, you know, expired, out of date, set on shelf too long, something like. Reminds you the profile, but it clearly is not that profile. Um, also, notes of a, a thin feeling ginger beer, um, or almost whatever those little doodads are that they have at uh, sushi restaurants to cleanse your palate. Somehow that really kicked up in there. Ginger? Uh, it could be. Uh, Finish-wise, prickly, dry. I had a note that possibly the the char in the barrel was off or something. Clearly, it's young. So, I felt like it was too young to be over-oaked between the prickly, dry, and and some bitter that came in there. It just really surprised me for a a product that's not aged any significant length. I I would say, for me, the nose was what you said. I, I almost got... I'd take it a step further. I almost thought it was carbonated root beer, but that A&W vanilla root beer, have you ever had that? Nope. So <laughs> they but, have- But I see where you're going. They have a root beer. It's in a white you know, white label around the bottle, and, and it's almost like a, a vanilla root beer. So like, like a root beer float when you were a kid. Yes, sir. <laughs> the taste on this, and, and I think it's important that we should note that we've had this one open for a while. And when I had my first pour of Uncle Nearest, it wasn't my favorite thing ever. But when you actually open it up for a month or so, I got a bunch of peanut brittle and toffee on the taste. That is there once you open it up. It is not there when you have your first taste of it. It's, it's almost a little harsh on that first taste. The finish, to me, it was almost like a Cracker Jack, but not the best parts of the Cracker Jack. It was pretty dry, but like you could taste the candy that was there almost. You know, I don't want to steal things that you said. It was almost like expired candy. (laughs) I like how there's good and bad parts of a Cracker Jack. I thought they were pretty homogenized as a product. No, no. It's it's like a stale Cracker Jack. Oh, wait. Cracker Jack or Graham Cracker? I may have spun it the wrong Cracker way. Cracker Jack. Like the stuff you get at a baseball game. Yeah. The prize at the bottom. Yeah. It's, it's the tattoo. popcorn. Yeah. I said this almost sticks to the roof of your mouth on the finish like bread. Yeah. Something. The the, the balance isn't there. No age statement. So it, it's young. No oak, but it's. um, it's it's And not a lot of corn, but it's it, obviously. Yeah. Young. It's it's very novel. I mean, I'm 99. Point Nine 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 percent sure I've never put down a root beer as a note as a tasting note for a nose. I think it'll be fun to progress it, especially if it continues to age. And you know, obviously they're releasing some of their barrels, but seemingly I would think they're keeping some as well to age and and see what develops. Uh, it's it's worth keeping your eye on. 
I don't hate it. I don't love it. I'm not going to pay $60 for it. No, sir. I, I'm not going to spend... I love the story. I love that they're getting it out. It's a nice packaging. I love the TriStar on it. But I don't love 60 bucks for it. No, and there's no need for us to fall into the tangent we do plenty of times and have before. But, you know, younger labels, younger juice... Top competitive pricing, to me, it just does not seem very intelligent or a sustainable or viable model for a young line to come in at the mid to upper realm of pricing. There's just no point in it. Put it somewhere where people that may or may not be drinking something for the taste profile necessarily or be looking for the best bourbon, so to speak, can afford it. You'll sell more, keep aging your juice, see what develops. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not an economist, so I can't say I'm the smartest man in the room on that. Well, the craziest thing, I, I mean, I can't imagine this going for over 30 bucks. That That's kind of where I'm at. If this was $29.99, I'd buy a bottle. At $59.99, 60 bucks or higher, I'm, I'm not going near it. No. Like I say, I mean, it, it has some, a unique profile and with age could be interesting. But even if it is... If you you don't create a footprint early on, you have people buying your stuff early. No one's going to buy it later. They're just going to say, ah, nah, I didn't like that. Didn't like that. I had it before. Didn't like it. Let's move on. I think we both agree on that. Let's talk about now New Holland. This was actually long overdue. And I want to apologize to the people over at New Holland that we did not get to this sooner. There was just a lot going on. Now, New Holland, after our first year anniversary and the party that we had, New Holland reached out to us and said, we'd love to send you some stuff. They sent us a whole bunch of stuff. They sent us some shirts, some hats. We want to share that with you. Be on the lookout. If you haven't seen it already, we are having a contest right now. We've put it up a couple days before this broadcast. We'll let it go a couple days after this podcast. Make sure to look for the post if you're listening to this podcast for the first time and you see the hashtag Dragon's Milk, go ahead and send us a DM and say just whatever in or Dragon's Milk or I saw it. The first three people that message us after that and Zeke will make sure that we send you a sample of both the Beer Barrel Rye and the Beer Barrel Bourbon. I just hope you type the hashtag out correctly. Dragon's Milk? You know, auto does crazy things these days. I feel like it's like Pee Wee Herman's Playhouse, and that's the word of the day. Oh, I'm not touching that. What? Yeah, there was nothing wrong with Pee Wee's Playhouse. Continue on. So let's talk about this. Uh, the The beer barrel bourbon is 40% ABV. It is 80 proof. It's non-age stated, non-show filtered. After it ages, it spends 90 days in dragon's milk barrels. It's also double distilled. The MSRP is about 35 for this. New Holland, the Beer Barrel Rye, it's also double distilled, 44% ABV, 88 proof, about the same price at $35. What do you think about these two? For $35, because that's the first time I've heard pricing on this, I mean, that's not bad. This is a full fifth. I mean, have you seen people pay for, pay for beers these days? I mean, Jesus. You give them the hints of some of their favorite beer and enough of a percent to where a couple of pours might have them going. <laughs> I don't know. This seems much better marketing. I'll leave it at that. Well, what do you get on notes on this for? Sure. Beer barrel bourbon. Nose, 
really seemed like a barley wine to me. Don't know how many or how often I've ever had a barley wine. That's what, you know, flashed in my mind. Barley wine followed by alcohol and and then uh, some hints of ginger. That was kind of a curve that came into me. Either way, just something kind of, uh, I don't know, gingerish somewhere, somewhere in the sweetness of that, but also earthy. Palette-wise, it seemed like a, either a ginger or a sour beer to me. I don't drink a ton of beer, so I could be way off there. But what I have and, and had to remember, it seemed somewhere in that mix of those two, kind of between the uh, the dryness, the, the starchy, um, and then also that little bit of ginger flavor. Uh, once that passed through, it really went at least to me, into a um, a thin form of a single malt barley product. I am sometimes a pretty big fan of those. This one wasn't quite in the taste profile that I would really gravitate to, but it was definitely noticeable mar- malted barley on the back. Finish, it lingers. If, if you like this, you'll love the finish because it's just going to hang around with you. Not for an eternity, but um, long enough to say, wow. You know, that was good, you know, if this is your pra- flavor profile. Yeah, the nose for me, it, I think there's a theme here because I got malt, sweet, caramel, vanilla with slight corn is what I got on the nose. My taste was malted, sweet, fruity, chocolate, brown sugar, almost cookie-like, super sweet with oatmeal cookie stout. And and it was almost like a an oatmeal cookie, but that stout was very present. My finish was smooth lingering stout is what I got. That that oatmeal cookie kind of left over. And and if you think about how stouts are made, that oatmeal cookie is something that you would kind of notice. Mm-hmm. I liked it. For 35 bucks, I think it's something very interesting that you can pull out and share with your friends. They're not going to expect it. That finish that oatmeal cookiness to it for me at least i think is novel enough and at 35 bucks i could really justify getting this and sharing it with someone especially this is one of those ones that i love to have on hand especially for those people you know that say they're craft beer drinkers or say Mm -hmm. they're beer drinkers first and foremost and you want to dip their toe into bourbon and you want to let them know how it could be i love having these on hand to kind of give it to them and say why don't you try this out? No, I totally agree. And especially as big as the craft beer space is, I mean, this is definitely, at least in my opinion, a really good middle of the road kind of, uh, you know, Switzerland balance of neutral to both sides, but also accommodating. It, it, it's interesting. So would you buy bar or pass this one? Personally, I would probably pass it, but I'm just not a beer person. Is it? I don't drink very much of it. I don't get into it very often. It's not my profile. And this is where you and I differ because I loved the Black Bell from Bell Mead. I do like stouts. So I am a little more interested in this one than you would be. So I liked it. I would go ahead and get it, especially the price. Yeah, I liked it. Boils down to that question of, yeah, I like it. 35 bucks, sure. That's not really a question, but all right, how many other things do I have that I've taken one or two tugs off of or not even open to begin with and do I really just need to add to the herd? Understood. I, I And I, I think I said right earlier, yeah. bottles are at a premium. So when we were talking about that Doc 52 and, and some of that other stuff, is that space worth it yeah. in the cabinet? I get it. I still would probably have this one in there. 
So let's move on to the rye. Your eyes are closing as we're talking. Oh, you it's know. messing me up. <laughs> so beer barrel rye. Uh, Nose-wise, I got some kind of grassy wheat funk. I think you may have told me at some point in this what beer barrels were used. It was speaking Greek. I honestly don't know. It's dragon's milk. It's a stout. Oh, still doesn't really explain a whole lot to me. But <laughs> Palette-wise, uh, it really, uh, that wheat, Thing kind of uh, it, it seemed to be prevalent here. It seemed like a wheat beer to me, at least what I remember of having some. Again, similar to the bourbon. Once that initial impression is is kind of you know filtered on through, uh, it really becomes a thin malt heavy profile. And towards the end of this one, uh, I actually got a almost syrup kind of thing at the back end going on. Finish wise, on the syrup thing, kudzu syrup. I don't know. It got there. It, just, it wasn't earthy or vegetal like some kind of old age, entirely too long bourbon. But it reminded, I don't know, it reminded me like a bite into some type of leaf or leaves or, or just that, that feeling that's left with you from uh, fresher, I don't know, greenery. Who knows? Um, it lingers a pretty good bit. Uh, and then is a nice little kick up at the very end of the finish. Uh, just a nice little rye singe, which I thought was a nice reminder of what to me seems like beer profile, beer profile, beer profile. Oh, by the way, I wasn't beer. I'm an 88 proof spirit and I'm a rye. So so here's that little, uh, just to let you know it's uh, doing something there. Well, I'm about to blow your mind because this is the most unique tasting note I've ever had. Ever. Bourbon? <laughs> No, this is a this is a rye. The nose I got malted rye smells like pizza. The taste it was hard to place. Stout and malt are definitely present, but still almost tastes like pepperoni pizza. <laughs> the finish I got a smooth lingering stout. So the malt was there. The stout, the oatmeal cookie was on the finish, but I got a. It, this was like having pizza and beer. It was definitely a, an enjoyable experience. I, mean, I don't know how many. Uh you know, craft beer stoners we appeal, we appeal to. But if we have any that are following us, this is, this is your they, chance. They're going to jump all over this, man. This is like, oh, wow. Oh, don't that guy just say it smelled and tasted like pizza, pepperoni pizza? Oh, man. Let's go get some. It, I'm, I'm telling you, it was like <laughs> pepperoni pizza. It was total pepper, <laughs> pepperoni pizza to me. I will say I, I did appreciate this one more. At thirty-five bucks, if if I was going to buy one of the two, I think I would definitely go with the rye. I'm not sure where John is on that space. I I do like the rye, and I I I said I would buy the bourbon. I would buy the rye too. Just that I I can't believe I would want to see if everybody got the pepperoni pizza. If you do reach out to us, the first three people that reach out to us uh, when we tag Dragon's Milk in the post. If you reach out to us, we will make sure that we get the first three of you samples of this with the caveat that you have to reach back out to us and let us know, you know, what did you get on the tasting notes? Because I think it's one of those things that it's only better if more people are chiming in. Have, have you had this? Am I crazy? Am I missing something tonight? I'm not going to let Zeke answer that because I know what he would say, but... <laughs> So, I don't know what kind of pepperoni pizza you've been eating in this town because uh, I've had most, but 
Have you seen me? I've had pretty much most everything. I know. I don't know where these pepperonis are coming from. It's not like pepperoni, salami, was it prosciutto, something else. But on that note, so you would pass on the bourbon by the rye or pass on the rye too? (sighs) My thoughts really kind of drift away to, as you mentioned earlier, the black bell. And somebody else has something that's a cast strength. Chattanooga? Whiskey, yeah. Both of those. I thought that in both of those, the being cash strength, the proof and the flavor just were not synergistic. They didn't get along well. Um, I, I know I mentioned in whenever we talked about one of those two, that it's hard for your palate to receive something that tastes like a beer for the most part, but then's over 100 proof because beer, your reflex is to drink. And by drink, I mean solid pours, good amounts, etc. In the you know whiskey space, something of that proof, your reflex is to sip, slow, savor, enjoy, or hopefully at least. Um, but with these two, I, I really found the proofs kind of novel. With the rye being 88 versus 80 on the bourbon, I won't say that's the only factor that made it more appealing to me, but it seemed to be much more in line with a balance of beer profile, whiskey profile, how much just alcohol alone is detectable. And I I really like that in the blend more. I I think that's what really resonated the most to me overall. It seemed to be more in tune with uh, a consistent profile, flavoring and tasting from front to back, as opposed to how scattered and just a hot mess those cast strength whiskeys and a a beer barrel finish ended up being. Well, I get them both. I I just think the tastes are so novel. I would love to have people try it and see what they actually get from it. I think that's super unique. It's super cool. Yeah. I just wonder where the the sweet spot really is on these because if 88 is greater than 80, you know, what's the 9 to 100 range? I would love to see these around 100 to 110. I would love to see where they fall on that. So New Holland, if you're listening, I would love to see that. Yeah, love to see I, a cast drink. Right like I'm telling you, cast drinks out of balance. It's not good. Well, no, but people say cast strength is, you know, people will call 110 cast strength. I think 100 is a sweet spot. 100 might be the sweet spot for these. I, I just don't want to feel like it's thin. Yeah. And, and I'm looking for something that packs a little more punch. Still going to get these. The price is really right at 35, but I would love it to pack a little bit more of a punch. Oh, yeah. That being said, you can punch us by finding us on Facebook at Dad's Drinking Bourbon. You can find us on Twitter at Bourbon Dads. You can find us on Instagram at Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Reach out to us, have a conversation with us. We're always posting, we're always writing back to you. That's a big thing that we really like to do. We love to interact with you guys, so reach out to us. Let us know what you think of the show. Let us know if there's something else you want us to actually review or put up in a blind. Listen to the podcast by going to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podknife, iHeartRadio, Spotify, YouTube, or go to us directly on our website and find that podcast. Please, if you are on any of these platforms, leave us a five-star review, but also write and tell us why you like us. If you don't like us, reach out to us. Give us a DM. Tell us why you don't like us. Tell us what we could do better. We're always trying to help. Zeke, where else can the people find us? As always, we're uh, we're here in Nashville, Tennessee. Love to have uh, 
friends, family, company, guests, etc. on with us. We do have some lined up in the near future, which I think uh, everyone should enjoy, and some really good shows coming up. Uh, honestly, really, really excited about the next 30 to 60 days and some of the things we have going on. Well, thank you all for listening. Hope you all have a great one. Cheers. Cheers.